Hello and welcome to the University Guide podcast. I'm David Hawkins. Having just concluded the series of podcast episodes looking at sports in North America, my plan is now to move on to looking at Canadian universities. It's an area of real growth I see in my advising, as increasing numbers of students over here in the British Isles look to Canada as a really attractive university destination. I think it's something that actually the Canadian government has really focused on over the last few years. They've hit their target early, they have a really, really favourable immigration regime for students who can go through the university system. And seeing the Edu Canada brand, both here in the UK and more widely around the world, is a really positive aspect. Looking at the content that's on my website, I realise I've not actually given Canadian universities as much attention as I probably should have done. Particularly in my own advising practice, I see a lot of students want to apply to Canada. So I needed to remedy this. There really was only one person I could speak to, someone I've been really fortunate to work alongside and to count as a friend. So I got onto Skype and decided to get some top tricks of the trade from a real expert in Canadian university admissions. Hope you enjoy our chat. Okay, so when I wanted to find out more and get information to everybody about Canada, there was only one person I really wanted to start with. So way over on the other side of the world now is my good friend Craig Brown. Craig, thanks so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you for having me. So Craig, do you mind just giving everyone a little intro um, kind of of your role now, but also your, your background, how you got to what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been working in international education for 15 plus years now. Uh, right out of university, I had a posting with the Canadian High Commission uh, in Australia, working in the education department there. That's kind of what sparked an interest in international education. Uh, from there, I went on to work at two different universities on the Canadian West Coast. Uh, got to, you know, working on the admissions and recruiting side, but always wanted to see what life was like on the other side of the desk and took a position at the International School of Brussels, where I was there for about three years working with students, uh, and then had an opportunity to return back to the West Coast, to basically miles away from where I was born in Canada, to work at an independent boarding school called Seanigan Lake School on Vancouver Island. Awesome. Great. And, and having said, having worked with you at Brussels, I know that you are, are one of the, the experts on Canadian applications, which is what I want to look at now. So... Um, Grace very kindly agreed that, that what we'll do is kind of top tips for people thinking of studying in Canada, so very much kind of, of entry level here. So, um, Craig, if you don't mind sort of getting started, what, where would you start? If you've got students who are looking at studying in Canada, what, what's the starting point here? Sure. So I would get make sure students recognize uh, a little bit of the differences. If they, if they know the U.S. system and to compare it to the Canadian system, to recognize that the Canadian system is by and large a public system. So where that can that can get tricky in some areas that I'll talk to in a bit. But what the positive of that is that it keeps quality really high and consistent, especially at the undergraduate level. So really, no matter where you want to do an undergraduate degree in Canada, for the most part, wherever you go, you're going to find a really strong program because of the public nature. Uh, one thing to recognize, though, when you're applying to Canadian schools is that uh, Grades are, for the most part, the primary and, in some cases, the only consideration in, as part of the applications. So, if, again, if you're used to a more holistic nature in different countries, especially the U.S., outside of a few outliers in Canada, you're really going to be judged on the strength of your final or final two years of your post-secondary program, depending on where, you're, where you've attended your high school years. Got it. So, also, so on that one, if we, we're just sort of clarifying that. Yeah. A lot of people might look at, at Canada and the US and go, well, SATs, ACTs. The, the situation that we're seeing here then is 
if you're doing GCSEs or A-levels or, or the French back or, or whatever you might be, that's what's going to get you the place. Correct. Correct. You, without any additional extra, extra testing like the SAT or the ACT. Uh, for the most part, you'll only re require those SAT or ACTs from schools that have a U.S. high school background. But outside of that, m the majority of Canadian schools will admit you directly based on your national or international high school curriculum alone. Great. And then on, on the quality issue, and this is something that, that you know, you and I both haven't worked internationally get this. You know, people who've heard of Canadian universities may have three places in mind that, that, that they've heard of. Um, but then, as you say, the quality is, is equal across, across them all. So if students are looking at Canada, you know, genuinely, they should be looking beyond McGill, UVC and U of T to, to find excellent programs all over the country, I guess. Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, one of the things I, th I think that students have to think about is because of that quality of that education, a lot of students don't take into consideration really where they want to live. I mean, in Canada, it's a, uh, a spread out country. We don't have as many large cities. But a good question that any uh, student looking in Canada should ask themselves is what kind of experience they want. And if they want that big city, we've got universities in large cities in Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver. We've also got some great universities in medium sized cities. You can also be in universities where you're steps away from the ocean in both uh, Victoria or on the East Coast if you want to be in a smaller community but still have an excellent education. So doing that little bit of research is really important in Canada because there's also a lot of really cool niche programs that maybe don't aren't well known or as well advertised uh, in, in many different places that students might not be aware of. Uh, programs like the Arts One, a cohort-based program at a large university like UBC, or a dual degree law program with Trent University, with the Swansea. So there's these other little outliers that once you've decided on where you want to live and how big of a school you want, then you can start getting some real gems of programs. Awesome. So, so where would kids start to, to do this research? You know, there's, not a, there's not a UCAS. Where would they go to start to look at, okay, well, what is out there beyond the couple of places that maybe I've, I've heard about? Yeah, so I would, I would start with a couple different places. I mean, the more uh, uh, kind of broad-based place to begin would be the AUCC. Uh, and so you can look on that, and that's a bit of a government-run site that just genuinely lists all the universities in the country and can give you some information about their locations. A good secondary source would be Maclean's. Maclean's is our national news magazine, and they publish uh, their own rankings every year. Now, I would maybe guide students away directly from looking at those rankings, but they also do a good job in, in opening up different programs and, and saying why a school in one particular city might be as desirable as a school in another larger urban center. And I think that's important. Those are two good places to start your search. And then again, going directly into the university websites themselves. Awesome. Okay, good. So it's a public system. The, the quality is pretty good um, and you've got, you know, the place is probably as important as the university. What, what other things should kids be, be thinking about? Uh, one of the things certainly for students looking in Canada, what they should be thinking about are the costs of tuition. In Canada, we're definitely a more affordable option than I would say most, a lot of international options, including especially that of the United States. Um, but one thing to note is that the packaging or financial aid is done a little bit differently. So while a lot of Canadian schools have small, some have some rare full tuition scholarships. There are very few programs uh, or very few financial aid opportunities in Canada that would also include tuition, or, sorry, include uh, residence and meal plans. So the advertised cost for Canadian schools is only just tuition. You do have to take in consideration that you'll have costs in terms of residence and housing and meals 
And that's typically not going to be covered any kind of financial aid or scholarship plans you get. So that's something to budget for. Got it. So my normal line with if people talk about Canada is it's it's going to cost you significantly less in terms of the sticker price, but that is almost entirely what it's going to cost you. There's not a huge amount of money out there beyond sort of a couple of big name programs. It's it's a very good deal, but that's what you pay. That's that's yeah. That's what I would say to a lot of students as well. What you see is what likely you'll be paying. Um, there'll be a few, you know, even a Canadian university, uh, it's not unusual to have an international student and maybe they'll, your entrance award might be $3,000, uh, $4,000, $5,000, but not a significant uh, dent into the cost of your education. The one be benefit, though, in Canada is that um, students who are studying here can work part-time during the school year. They can work full-time in their summers. And then after they graduate from a degree-granting uh, institution in Canada, they get a, a three-year work visa, which allows them to work in Canada in any capacity. It doesn't have to be related to their degree choice. Uh, and it's a good way to get a, get a, a foothold into your industry in, in any city you wish. Great. And uh, we should probably chuck in there the, the nugget that our friends in Quebec will be cross with us if we don't say that if you have a French passport or, or possibly also a, a, a Belgian passport and a French speaker, then you get a very good deal to study in Quebec, where actually financially it could be um, quite sensible to go that, uh, a French citizen studying in Quebec will pay the same rate as a, Can a Canadian from another province studying in Quebec, which, which correct me if I'm wrong, Craig, is about 5,000 Canadian dollars? Yeah, roughly that price. Actually, in, in some cases, they would, uh, for, for a French citizen, could even pay possibly less than, uh, than in some cases. And, and for students who are studying, uh, you know, Quebec has different regulations, but certainly even if you're if majoring in French, you might find some really good uh, affordable options to study in Quebec. Wow. Well, I guess that gets on to kind of the, ne the next sort of area of stuff, which which I, I remember you explaining this to me, and I still reflect back on it, of just Canada is, is a country split out into different provinces and territories. Yeah. How does that impact the university system? I, I guess particularly in terms of the way that students would apply. Yeah, so we're not, uh, our, we're not a federal, you know, it's a, it's a provincial setup, and so our universities are run by individual provinces. So the rules and regulations can differ province to province, as we've just talked about. Um, the application system for uh, the majority of provinces is done school to school. So you apply directly to one school and you submit documents to one school. In Ontario, our largest and most populous province, that's they've simplified that slightly and so they have a OUAC it's a general application center that allows students to apply to a number of Ontario schools through one application which is can make things significantly easier that being said they'll still have to provide uh, additional documents directly to the school yeah and how does that the provincial system then impact maybe the, the sort of nuances of the education obviously Quebec is, is going to have stuff in French that's that's fairly obvious but the student may be studying in in a different province. Are they going to notice any other particular differences apart from how they've applied? Not so much. I wouldn't say outside of a few select provinces like Quebec. Um, the other one that you students will have opportunities to study bilingual opportunities. So as Canada being a bilingual country, we've got a number of universities, some even outside of Quebec, uh, that allow a student to take programs in French and in English concurrently, which is, you know, we have that in, in British Columbia, we have it in Alberta, we have it in Ontario. I think that's a nice way for students to still develop a la new language opportunities while studying in Canada. But for the, in, in terms of price points uh, and in approaches to education, outside of a, a maybe uh, you know New Brunswick and Quebec, you're not going to see quite significant uh, differences. 
Great. Okay. So what, what other things then should students and counsellors be aware of when, when thinking about studying in Canada? Uh, the one thing I think they should be aware of is looking at uh, Canada can be sometimes a bit more prescriptive in the course requirements than in the United States or maybe even in the UK, where uh, if you are applying to a specific program in Canada, they may ask for a certain uh, specific uh, continuity of, of school courses. Uh, if you're in the sciences, they want to see a couple years of chemistry and a couple years of physics, uh, whereas for some programs they may require biology 11, where that might not be a course that you would even deem as necessary for your application. So really, it, it's, it's necessary for a student counselor to really look at the course requirements for the programs that they're looking at, because they might be very prescriptive. Got it. So, so the one that I come across the most, and I think sometimes baffles students that I work with, is, is business in uh, Canadian universities, or, or I guess the, the Bachelor of Commerce, to give it its, right. its proper title. Um, and I guess business being one of those words which means different things in different contexts. So a student who wants to study business in Canada is going to have to have, have studied maths for their last two years of high school um, in a way that they potentially wouldn't have done in the UK. So just with that as a cautionary tale, how would a student or a counsellor find out these requirements that the student has to have studied the subject in order to be eligible to then take this particular degree? Sure. I mean, for your first point of contact using the, the, the school websites, and mo most Canadian websites are fairly uh, open and transparent to their international applicants who, who have an understanding of what courses you may need to do uh, or by reaching out to the school. But you're, you're right about certainly for business, a lot of the traditional business or commerce programs in Canada, uh, they're moving towards more regulations with the math because of the math rigor uh, that the course will entail. And, and again, like I said, researching those course names, knowing the differences between a, uh, you know, a, a bachelor's uh, of commerce to a bachelor's of business administration, and which would have different requirements. Uh, one that comes up fairly often is, is the program at uh, Western University that has an organizational management program but also has the Ivy Business School and are two separate institutions with two separate admission requirements. Right. So I guess then the students are needed to delve into these university websites and sort of you know, find what they're studying, see what the eligibility is. And, and you know, if they tick that box, they're, they're, they are there. What, what happens next then if they're, they're sticking all this in? What's, what's, you know, yes, they've found the universities, they've looked at beyond the big names, they've found places, they've found a program, they do have the subjects. What happens after that for them? So once, yeah, and one of the things that, that can be a, a, certainly a downside with the Canadian system is, uh, is, is timing. Uh, Canadian universities are getting better and better about getting offers to students, but typically you would you can expect to get a conditional offer from a Canadian university um, outside of a few outliers. We're, closer to March or April that you're going to get a conditional offer from a university. So again, that's similar to the UK where, where they're going to require uh, final grades. You're not really removing the conditions until the, the, the university sees your, your final grades at the end of the year. Sometimes that could be as late as July. Um, after you've been, uh, you get that offer, typically any kind of scholarships, entrance scholarships will be made at that time. You may be then asked to apply for additional scholarships that require further information, uh, applying for residence, and then working on your Canadian study permit application. And most schools are really designed to help you out with that study permit and make sure that you have all the documents you need uh, for a successful study permit application. Okay. Okay. So it's, I mean, you make it sound, sound straightforward. And we talk about how nice Canadians are and, um, and genuinely Canadians are, are very nice and helpful people. And this is like a very nice and helpful process. <laughs> um, 
where the kids go wrong, where how can how can happen get themselves into difficulty in this process? What are the sort of key warning things that they need to be aware of to to avoid? Uh, key warning. I, I think one of them would certainly be uh, on on uh, of being aware of costs and true true cost of a program, and again how the cost to travel to Canada, especially from some places, could be quite prohibitive. Uh, I think it, from my time in international education, uh, it may sound Funny, but I, I, a lot of students just presume Canada is not as big as it really is and will ask questions of living with uncle and aunt in, in Mississauga while they study in Vancouver. Uh, so they, they really have no idea of how distance of travel, even from being in the wet, in Vancouver, our kind of largest next big city of yeah. Calgary, is, is over 12-hour drive away. Right. So having students aware of how distances of weather can be fairly surprising for some students um, th- those are the really thing, you know, as far as the admission system there, there's no great big um, landmines to be aware of, uh, provided you're providing us with the correct information as part of your application. Got it. So it's, I guess it, is, it seems like a very straightforward process in terms of that point of view. And I think certainly in, in my work, the reason why I'm, I'm seeing more and more students apply to Canada is it, it, it is quite a, a straightforward system. And, and particularly if they're delving into the complexities of the US system, then, then Canada can seem like a, a, a relief. On the, on the bigger picture side of stuff, why should kids come to Canada? Forget the kind of because it's an easier application and it's a little bit cheaper. What else is Canada got going on for it in the university sector that, that actually might mean, you know what, Canada is the only place I want to look at? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's some of the reasons that people will look at Canada, certainly that, uh, you know, publicized by colleagues who work overseas. It's, uh, portability is one thing, and that recognition, as you said, you know, outside of those big names of, of some sco- schools that everybody seems to know, uh, it really doesn't matter with that undergraduate degree where, where you do your undergraduate and what you study in, um, provided you have you have that degree and you have some work experience, that transition into work life uh, can be a little smoother maybe than in in many places where the name of the school really has a significant factor in it. So that's one thing I'd say. Uh, The affordability certainly is something that goes for it in Canada, uh, a a relatively stable uh, political structure, one could say, I guess, these days. Uh, But certainly, uh, and as well for a lot of our students, you know, the Canadian dollar uh, relatively stable as well. So you can kind of be aware of what you're going to pay and what you might expect for that price differential to change uh, in four years of your university education. Great stuff. Great. Um, Anything else we're missing here, Craig? I'm I'm very conscious on on these podcasts that that the point of it is to interview experts. And and though I'd like to think I know know a good chunk about stuff that that experts know more, is, is there anything here that it wouldn't even occur to me to ask you that you think it's important people are aware of? No, I think it's, uh, you know, for, for a lot of our students, it's something that they could be maybe be aware of is that uh, is um, just doing the research on the types of students that they'd be a, a certain school would attract. I think what a lot of students maybe who haven't done the research maybe find themselves in trouble is, is, is that recognition as well. As I go back to the quality of the school, but not all schools will have the same demographics. So you have to think about the types of students you want to study with. Do you want to be studying in a community uh, where, with students who are commuting into a school day to day or mostly living on campus, who have a large international student body, or they don't. Those are the little things that can really make a, a university education, but a lot of people take for granted and assume all will be created equally. So that's something I would do research on, for sure. Great. And, and the resources you mentioned earlier, AUCC and, and McLean's, they would, people would be able to do some research there. And, and... Yeah, that'd be a, those are two great places to start uh, to get that information, certainly, for sure. 
Great. Well, and assuming I remember to do it, I'll make sure I link to those in, in the podcast notes. Um, one of the things I always, always valued of, of the expertise that we had in our little time together at, at ISB, and we should probably do a shout out to say hello to Karen Sagel, uh, who's the third member of our, 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 exactly. our bad joke of, of an Englishman and a Canadian and an American in the college counselling office. Um, Butter on bread, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Gosh, yes, that's a memory. Um, but the, the fact that you do know the nuance of these programmes, Craig, and, and you say it's, it's lived experience. Um, are there any particular hidden gems of places that you think, you know, it would be worth giving a shout out to the to these programs or, or, or universities you mentioned that just kids in international schools or, or, or even in, in public schools are not necessarily aware of you know if you are starting to look at Canada here are maybe two or three places that you can have a look at which are just going to blow your mind a little bit about just what variety of provision there is in Canadian higher ed yeah sure I can think of a few um outside of the kind of the big well-known ones um one I would I'd like to highlight is is, is Trent uh, for their dedication to their international program. They've got an excellent program whereby any new international students who starts at the school, uh, once they pick you up from the airport or, in your, or before you begin your classes, all new international students go off to what they call tip camp, where you get to know their whole student, international student body, you make friends quickly, and you get to start your year already having a really strong connection to the community and the other international students. So for a lot of students getting off the an airplane from a major urban center and being taken to the middle of a camp in the middle of nowhere can be quite disorientating, but I think it's a great way to start your life as a student in Canada. Um, I think one other one that I'd like to have a lot of our students appeal is a school like Bishops that allows students to do a great English education, but steps away from a real traditional uh, francophone part of the country. So if you really want to develop those language skills and see what maybe uh, the not always advertised part of Canada is. I think that you would find something like that at a school like Bishops. Um, and then I would also just tell students, don't ignore the middle provinces. Uh, we've got some great programs in provinces like Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Uh, Saskatchewan has, uh, is one of our strong veterinary programs, and they've got some great undergraduate programs in animal sciences that often gets uh, passed over by a lot of people. Awesome. Great. Craig, I'm really appreciative of you sharing this information. Um, it's nice to have Bishop shouted out as well, um, because in the second of my, my little series on the Canadian University, I've been having a chat with, with Craig and my very good friend, Dan Seneca from Bishop's University, and, and hear a bit more about things from the, the institutional side. Um, Craig, we're, we're going to link some of these resources and things. For, for counsellors who'd like to find out more, and if particularly they might have nuanced questions, um, how might they get hold of you um, and, and any other kind of tips and resources that people might want to just to start to, to plug themselves into? Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to help anybody who has those types of questions. Anybody can reach me at crbrown at shawnigan. That's S-H-A-W-N-I-G-A-N. We have a long word at crbrown at shawnigan.ca. Uh, just if you have, I've been, or on the international ACAC uh, Facebook page, I've always been able to help students there or other counselors with questions about Canadian applications. Great stuff. Fantastic. Well, Craig, thanks so much for the, I, I, I've been trying to stop myself saying the joke, but it is the from A to Z of um, Canadian emissions. Um, we never get tired of hearing that. Yeah. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. Um, I genuinely appreciate your insight and, and time there on, on giving us not just the basics, but also um, some, some little tips and tricks of where people need to, to start this process. So thank you. No problem. Happy to help. There were some real nuggets of information in there from Craig, and I very much appreciate him giving his time and his advice so freely. That's it for this week's episode. There's another one coming hot on its heels, including my little series focusing on Canada. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you don't follow me on social media, please find me on Twitter or Instagram at UniGuyDavid. You can follow Hawkins Global Education on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. And please, please, please do make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. It makes a huge difference to see how many people are subscribing. And if you have any particular suggestions for topics you'd like me to focus on in the future, please do get in touch through either one of those methods or by emailing me via david at theuniversityguide.com. Thanks for listening.